Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Church, all over this room, we invite you to stand as we continue to worship this morning. As we invite the presence of the anointing of God down on our lives today. Come on, would you just raise your hands? Would you just call on Him this morning? Father God, won't you let it rain in our lives today? As we lift our hearts to the name of all names, let it rain, 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 as we lift our hearts.
Amen. Well, make sure you say hello to somebody before you're seated. We are so glad that you are here on a Sunday. What a day it is. Super excited to be with you all today. Welcome to City of Life Church. And for those of you who are tuning in online, thanks so much for watching with us, for being patient. We had a little power outage down here. But hey, it's all right. We're still doing church in an amazing way. Thanks for joining us. And welcome, welcome. If it's your first time, we are so glad to see you today. We are pastors Justin and Amanda McNeil. We serve as executive pastors here, but this is home church. We've been here since we were children. We are honored and privileged to kick off this Love Strong series hey. with you. It's gonna be so fun. If you've been here the past several weeks, you might have seen some old footage advertising some old Love Strong Whoa, events. old. I mean, one of them, we were cast as a couple who had to fight in the video. Method acting, totally. Like, we're such good actors, yeah, you know? Never Just had, had to like pull fight. from like all the acting experience we had. But Love Strong historically in our church has been a conference or an evening. And this, in this season of our church life, we are spreading it out over multiple Sundays because we all have relationships, we all need to grow, we all need to learn. And so we're definitely gonna cover various topics from a biblical perspective and various relationships. But even if you feel like there's maybe something that doesn't necessarily apply to your life right now, I encourage you to lean in in every single week of Love Strong because the word is in season and out of season. There is always something for us in the word of God. And I believe we're all gonna walk away with gold each and every Sunday of this series. So thank you for being here for the first one. We're so excited to kick it off. I also wanna announce next week we begin our Symbus Life Course, and Symbus stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. So this life course is for all engaged couples, any couples who are maybe newlywed, this is your first, second, or third year of marriage, and you want to start your marriage with a biblical foundation well, we have a course for you. You can get information and register online at col.tv slash Symbus. It's a weird word, but it just stands for saving your marriage before it starts. So S-Y-M-B-I-S. -S. I'm gonna be teaching the course and it's one of my favorite things to be able to help equip people with that biblical foundation. So it's gonna be fun. Love Strong is also gonna be a really fun month. You're excited for Love Strong, make some noise so we can feel that energy in the room. Because we all have relationships, we all have connections, whether you're single, married, whether you're older or younger, we're, we're talking about family, we're talking about friendships, and today we get to kick things off with the topic of communication, and uh, that's always a real important topic, because it shows up in every area of our life. So turn with us to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be reading in verse 25 out of the message translation. And before I read it, I want you to know that prior to this verse, the other 20 verse, 24 verses of this chapter, Paul is talking about everything Christ did for us. He's saying he saved you, he redeemed you, he washed you, he called you, like all of these big ideas about what Christ has done for us. And then we pick up here verse 25. So what this adds up to then is this, no more lies, no more pretense, Tell your neighbor the truth. Can someone say amen? amen? In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Verse 26, go ahead and be angry. Amen. Silence. 
uncomfortable silence. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. And don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most important part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all the cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, and forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. So the title of our talk today, Love Strong, week one, is My Lips Are Sealed. My Lips Are Sealed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to look into your word. God, in a world of people who proclaim self-help and self-development, God, I thank you that your invitation is always that we don't have to rely on ourselves; that we actually can't do it in our own strength. Yeah. But our invitation is to be in relationship with you so we can watch you and learn from you and reflect you. So Lord, let this word take root in all of our hearts today so that we can communicate more like you, so that we can be beautiful bearers of your image. Lord, we want healthy relationships in our life, not only to bless our own sake, but also to reflect your glory in, through, and around us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And on behalf of my father-in-law, thank you for taking the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Come on, God. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen. It's required. Well, we're going to have some fun, like I said, through this whole series. And since we're talking about communication and relationships, I figured I'd tell you a funny story. And uh, it is funny. I'm going to start it out with a pretty intense statement. But I'm going to tell you the story of the only time I've ever pushed my wife. Will you guys be gracious with me? Okay, you'll understand very, very quickly. It wasn't too hard. It wasn't too hard. I mean, there was some bobblehead action. There was a little bit. It was, it was a situation in which we were in an escape room. Y'all got so nervous. Like, what are we talking about? We're in an escape room. Have, has has anyone ever tried this? The has anyone ever tried this? Okay, if you haven't tried it, it's some sick idea that a person came up with, which is let's lock people in a room with impossible puzzles that they have to get out of and then they will pay us when they get out. <laughs> it's a strange situation, but I love it. I'm broken on the inside. So I love it, and we were at this escape room, and us and some friends were there. We go in, we've never done this one, and the attendant who's helping us says, this is actually one of our hardest, very few people get out of this one, and I was like, bring it on. Like, as if it was so important, but I was so determined to win this thing. And he said, to start, we're gonna divide your team up you're going to be in separate rooms, and you'll only be able to communicate. And uh, that, that's why it's so hard. You have five seconds to split yourselves up. At that second, I forgot everyone else who was with us. I only thought about her. And instinctively, I pushed her as hard as I could away from me because I knew if she and I were on separate teams and needed to communicate, we were going to win this thing. So I pushed her and I was like, I don't care where anyone else goes. As long as me and her are in separate rooms, we're going to win. And so we end up in like these prison cells. So fun, right? So these prison cells where we can't see each other, but things that I need are in her cell and things that she needs are in my cell. And she has to guide a magnetic ball through a maze, but she can't see the maze. The maze is on my side and she just has to listen to me guide her. And I'm over there like, go, go left, your left, your left, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, six o'clock, just like going through it. And everybody else is like, how are you guys doing that? And I wasn't like, it's because we're awesome. 
It's because we have a lifetime of miscommunication in our life. I knew we could win that because I know where we go wrong in our communication. I know how her brain is so different from mine, like so different. I don't think there's a person in my life who thinks more opposite than you. And I knew how bad it gets between us, so I was like, we got this. I know exactly how to dodge the landmines. If only I could do that at home. But in our relationship, miscommunication happens all the time. I'm going to give another prime example. Driving. <sighs> oh, good. Some people can relate. Dri someone over there said, <sighs> like he felt it. He felt it. <laughs> you get it, man. Driving. Okay. Some of us have internal GPS and others of us don't. And that causes that an interesting dynamic. And some of us who have the internal GPS somehow get jealous when others of us use Google. Why are you listening to her? I can tell you how to get there. Literally. Why are you listening to her? And I'm like, it's a program. It's not a her. <laughs> and so when we're driving, this is my favorite scenario, and the road splits. You know, like you're on I-4 somewhere, and it like splits in two directions. You guys with me? You can imagine it. It goes like this. And I say, babe, where do I go? Because I never know. I'm just living life. I'm just living life. I'm just vibing, just dancing in the car. Where do I go? And she says, stay on this. Stay on this? You better buckle up because if I stay on this, we're going straight over the bridge. Like we're going out. I, it, it made no sense to me in communication, left or right. And she says, stay on this. Go ahead, if justify. If you're in the lane you need to be in, stay in the lane you're in. But that's a turn, <laughs> right? Like that, in my mind, that's a turn. And for her, it's stay on it. Just you could see how in that one example, miscommunication happens all the time. Even this morning, we oh, were Lord. debating something. We were saying, is next Sunday seven days away or six days away or eight days away? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, out of curiosity, Paul, if you think next Sunday is seven days away, raise your hand. Okay. How about eight days away? Okay. <laughs> don't, don't judge them. You're like, stupid. <laughs> Six days away. Okay, see, y'all are having the same fight we had. So this is what I kept coming back to. Does today count? What? No? What kind of Christians are you? Today doesn't count. Just live your best life, I guess. Today doesn't count. Imagine if that was the title of our sermon. Today doesn't count. Get the sweatshirt. Get the bracelet. Today doesn't count. Please don't post this on Instagram. Today doesn't count. That's also how I treat my diets usually. So today doesn't count. So We're you can see here. miscommunication happens all the time in a relationship. But communication is vital to address, even as a church. And we live in a society, our digital age, there's so much information available at our fingertips. Yeah. There are relationship gurus. There are marriage and family therapists. There are communication courses where you can take and develop some communication skills. And it's amazing that we have all these resources available. However, everything we get from the world is talking about communication from both a science and an art perspective. When we as Christians look at the Bible and we hear God's directives for communication, we are learning the heart 
of wow. communication. And this posture of having a biblical worldview with our communication is critical for us as believers. It's exactly what I prayed out, that we are created in God's image. We bear his image. And so our communication needs to reflect how he communicates, how he speaks, how he encourages, how he has patience and grace with us. And in our sinful human state, there's a lot of complications to our communication. There's a lot of challenges, always challenges. And in every single relationship in your life, communication is required. Wow. In your home, on your job, with your friendships, we all have to navigate healthy communication. Mm. And as Christians, we must navigate it from a biblical worldview. Life is about relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others. That's what it's all about. We reflect Christ in our relationships. Life is about relationships. And relationships are built on communication. That's why it's so important. And so we're not here to give you just some tips and tricks for communication hacks. We want to understand what the Bible says about communication. We want to let God speak for himself here and just share the word with you. And so as we look at what Paul has written here in Ephesians, we see four main ideas that loop together about our communication. So if you're taking notes, we're going to look at four T's to transform the way you talk. Four T's to transform the way you talk. So let's start with the first one. The first thing that we need to evaluate when it comes to our words, when it comes to our communication, is verse 25. What all this adds up to then is this. No more lies, no more pretense. So the first T to transform the way you talk, truthful. We need to tell the truth. Seems like an easy point, but we really need to let it permeate. I actually think the fact that everyone was kind of quiet shows it's actually a challenging point. Yeah. For Why sure. is it so hard to tell the truth, even in seemingly menial ways? Yeah, telling the truth is foundational to communication. Do you know that your body is wired to tell the truth? We're created to tell the truth. This is why polygraphs work, because lie detectors can detect physiological changes in our body when we are lying. Your body goes into stress response when you're lying. Your brain produces neurochemicals like adrenaline and cortisol because it knows that lying is an unsafe reaction or an unsafe response. This is how we tell someone's lying, because their body literally screams for truth. Do you think that is coincidence? Back to that spectrum I talked about. Is that superstition? Is it cynicism? Does it mean everything? Does it mean nothing? Or does it mean something? Mm -hmm. Can we see that spiritually? That God created your body for truth. God is truth. All truth comes from God. And that's why truth is so important. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we lie, we're speaking the language of the devil. Because he's the father of lies. Right, So lying is contradicting the very nature of God. We have to tell the truth. And in relationship, it is vital. The Bible says, tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. So when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. That's the craziest thing about lying is that you end up deceiving yourself too. Yep. It takes so much energy to keep all the lies up. So much energy. And all of that is chipping away at the fabric of your relationship. Lying critically affects your relationship. In fact, we say it in our home this way, lying 
breaks the relationship. It's not beyond repair, but it's definitely not healthy when we're lying. And it's because trust and intimacy takes so long to build. So long to build. You have to build trust. You build intimacy. You build connection. And then lying is like coming in and knocking all of that over. When Malachi was young, we were talking about lying because it's something that like even you see little kids do. His very first time out ever, he was nine months old. Nine months old. And he told an outright lie to my face. There was a tiny handprint in the center of the TV. I was like, Malachi, did you touch the TV? I was like, wow. Original sin (laughs) right here. Lying is something we're all prone to, but it breaks the relationship. I remember one day the three of us were sitting on the floor and we got like uh, Lego blocks and we built a tower and we said, this is like us trusting each other. Look how long it takes to build. We built it as high as we could. Look how long it takes to build. And then lying is like kicking this over and we want to just make it all better, but you actually have to rebuild all of the trust now. Lying breaks the intimacy and the trust of a relationship, which is why our communication has to be truthful. Mm-hmm. It has to be truthful, even to the small things. I know your mind might be thinking of like the big bad liar, like people who tell terrible lies. But even in small things, yeah. it, it breaks the connection that we have between one another. I'll tell you the lie that probably happens the most. Did you see that show on Netflix? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you didn't. You scrolled right past it when you were going to that baking show. (laughs) Like, you didn't see it. But sometimes we don't want to look dumb. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to look like we're behind. So we just lie to save face. We just lie to look good. But if we can do that without thinking about it, what if you're doing it without realizing it in other areas in your life? We need to be people who are truthful. Because that's how we build deep relationship. I can't actually know someone and have intimate connection with them if I am not being truthful. That's how you build connection. And right now, everyone gets so caught up in building attraction of like, oh, we're attracted to you. Oh, they're attracted to me. First of all, commercial break. I'll come back to that. Commercial break. Attraction can be built in a second. And right now, more than ever, you don't even have to say anything. You just put a fire emoji. Just, and it's like. <gasps> and now sometimes it's not even real. It's an AI picture. Yeah, something just, totally yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, they, they're paying attention to me. And it feels so attractive. First of all, if all that someone has to do is this to gain access to your heart, you need to raise the standards. You need to raise the standards. Because this doesn't mean anything. And as quickly as they can do this with you, they can do it in another direction as well. Attraction does not mean someone gets access to your heart. It's not about who gives you attention. It's about who gives you intention. Someone who shows their character after time, who builds trust with you. Truthfulness is how we build security in relationship. And telling the truth is vital. You cannot have intimacy without honesty. Pastor Janice raised us this way, because when she described intimacy, I don't think y'all have heard this, so maybe it's good for me to say it, but I remember like as a kid, intimacy means into me see. If you really want to be intimate, you, get, you have to give someone the ability to see you for who you are. Yeah. And honesty exposes you to two potentials. When I fully am honest with a person, two things can happen. Rejection 
And that's why we lie, because we're trying to protect ourselves from that pain. I don't want to get rejected, so I'm going to people please or deceive so that you don't have to see this part of me that feels unlovable or unacceptable. But when I'm honest, I can experience rejection, but I can also experience connection. Mm -hmm. Those are the two chances. If you've got walls up, gate closed to another person with dishonesty, they might not reject you, but they can't actually connect to you either. Right. Even if they're falling in love with you, they're falling in love with the version of you that you're showing. Mm -hmm. But then 10 years later, when you hear them say, it's like I never known you, it could be because you were projecting a version that wasn't even your authentic self. It's not your fault. It's not their fault if you were lying. You have to be honest. And if that has been your journey, then today is a day where you can start to step into radical honesty, telling the truth, not just in marriage, also in family and in friendships. Yeah. In friendships, we need to be honest. Tell the truth. If you're not on your way, don't say on my way. <laughs> Mi gente. <laughs> it's not a state of mind. On my way is not a heart posture. You're not. You're at your house. <laughs> but we don't want to look bad. So we, we say that little lie. I know it's silly, but you know what would be better? Hey, I did not keep track of time. And that is disrespectful to your time. I am so sorry. I will be 15 minutes late. Everyone's saying amen. <laughs> it is better for you to be honest. Own, own the truth and tell the truth rather than try to just like do like uh, some kind of version of it to make yourself look better. It's necessary in all our relationships with you and your coworkers, you and your boss. Tell the truth, man, because lying, it gets in the way. So that's the first T to transform the way you talk. Tell the truth. That was a lot of T's. <laughs> Biblical communication requires truth. Secondly, biblical communication considers tone. Ooh. Tone. I know, I get a fun one, right? Tone. There's so much to be said about this, but let's just start with the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, this is in our text, verse 26 says, Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Wow. When we are in that fueled state of, I want you to feel as bad as I feel, wow. or I want you to hurt the way you have hurt me, that's when we don't consider our tone. Yeah. And we kind of just let whatever out, and we let it fly, and we don't think about it. But tone is really important. Yeah, for sure. And since you did a side note, I'm going to step down here and do a side note. Go ahead, girl. If you have something important to say, do not say it over text, email, or DM. Preach that. Oh, my gosh. Tell the truth, Pastor. You cannot give or properly perceive tone in that kind of written communication. I have long since thought we need a font for sarcasm in texting. I thought about going on Shark Tank and pitching it, but I don't know how it's going to make them money, so I haven't done it. But the point is, tone communicates so much. 
both in the positive and the negative. Yeah. And it has to be considered in our communication and in our language. For example, hey, honey, is everything okay? Yeah. Clearly, someone's not practicing the first T because <laughs> the tone is giving away that he's not being truthful. Mm. Tone communicates so much. And in this context of this verse, when we are angry, it is on us to consider what is my tone yeah. when I'm upset, when I'm disappointed. Now, the first part of the verse, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. Mm. I think we have to dissect that a little bit because in the Christian world, we can often categorize anger as one of the bad emotions. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be tempted to be. Why am I struggling with this? But if we categorize it as a bad emotion, we actually misunderstand part of God's character. God created us in his image with yeah. all the wide range of emotions. Now, certainly sin tainted some of those and added shame and guilt. But all the other emotions, we see God display himself throughout scripture. Anger is an appropriate response to threat and injustice. Yeah, for sure. And so anger actually can keep us safe. It can give us that surge of adrenaline to address an injustice, to actually create change in our life. We see biblical examples of God getting angry throughout the Old Testament when the threat of sin was harming his children and his creation. It was a righteous anger that he responded with. So anger in and of itself is not a bad emotion. It is what we do with our anger that is either healthy and protects us and builds us and others up or is harmful and destructive. Yeah. So we, we can't. Just avoid anger. He said, you would do well to get angry because suppressing anger doesn't actually make it go away. Woo. It just makes it fester under the surface until it gets infected and worse. Wow. So we have to examine our anger. And there's a principle of communication, especially when it comes to anger, called escalation and de-escalation. When we are in a tricky circumstance, do we escalate the circumstance, or do we de-escalate the circumstance? Wow. If you've ever seen a TV show or a movie with like uh, involving a hostage situation, there's a professional agent who comes in to de-escalate the situation. He is trained in certain communication tactics for how to minimize the damage, for how to regulate the situation. And Proverbs 15.1 gives us a biblical principle for de-escalation in our lives. You've probably heard this verse before, but I'm going to read it again anyway. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, wow. but a harsh word stirs up anger. So it shows the principle of do you escalate or do you de-escalate? And at first, I thought this verse was like, if I choose a soft answer, or another version says a gentle answer, then I'm putting this formula out there where I will turn away wrath and things will be smooth sailing and peaceful. But there is nothing in scripture that is this like, let me push this button and do this formula so that I get this outcome that I want. Because in the context of relationship, I actually have no jurisdiction over what the other person does or doesn't do. Yeah. How they react or don't react. If they escalate or de-escalate. I'm responsible for myself in the situation. And so this verse, I think, is actually meant to be inward 
if I choose to regulate my emotions wow. and give a gentle answer, I am turning away my own internal wrath. Come on. And if I choose to give in to the anger and the spite and the harshness, I'm stirring up my own anger and resentment. This verse is about self-regulation and about taking self-responsibility to be accountable before the Lord of how am I handling my anger? Am I handling it in healthy, appropriate ways or in unhealthy ways? When we use harsh tones, yelling is often a form of trying to control the situation or again, kind of that revenge of I want you to listen to me. I want you to feel as bad as I feel bad. And it can be a manipulation tactic. It also can be learned behavior. If that's all we've ever seen modeled or all we've ever experienced ourselves, we perpetuate what we are familiar with. Yep. However, and I love that we are a multicultural, multi-generational church, but none of us have the excuse of, well, that's just the way my family was, no. or that's just the way my culture is. No. We on, all have on. the culture of Jesus. Yes. We have all been redeemed by the blood. And so we all have some things to unlearn from our past and to embrace what the Bible is calling us to live out. This principle is important for all relationships, but I do want to highlight one thing, especially for parents and caregivers, that when we hear an elevated voice, a scream, a yell, something that sounds loud, brash, harsh, and urgent, it produces chemicals in our brain that say, this is an emergency, I need to pay attention, I might not be safe right now. Even if we are not yelling at a child, a child hearing yelling in their home gets this chemical response in their brain at a critical point of their development. And so even just being around a lot of screaming and yelling, in children in particular, it can lead to an increase in anxiety and behavioral problems. In teenagers and adolescents, it can lead to an increase in depression, in sleep problems, and a decrease in self-esteem. Wow. Even if they are not being yelled at. I think a lot of times we're blaming social media as the source of our kids' anxiety and not owning the fact that there isn't peace in our homes. Don't blame Instagram for the fact that maybe your marriage is not peaceful and that's causing anxiety in your kids. Instagram has its problems, so does Snapchat and TikTok and everything else. But if your child is in a peaceful home, they're more equipped to fight that battle with your help and God's help. But let's not just say, oh, it's the world's problem. You have to look in your home and say, have we cultivated an atmosphere of peace? Mm -hmm. That peace that passes understanding is available to us. But again, it's not that we just push a button yeah. and we get this great outcome. God is inviting us into the process of guarding that peace, of practicing that peace, of being mindful of our tone. And I wonder, have you ever considered what is it like for other people to experience my tone? Uh. <laughs> that is a sobering question. If I am practicing this biblical wisdom from Proverbs, I'm considering my tone, which helps me stay regulated myself, helps me turn away wrath, and then that also is an overflow of blessing into all of my relationships. So biblical communication considers tone. Tone and escalation and de-escalation, it could look like this. Let's just give one example. Two of the words that escalate things the most, always and never. The minute, you, it's like all the married people said, amen. <laughs> 
Because the minute you introduce those words, now it becomes an offense, and the other person needs to take defense. So, like, the minute that she says to me, you never clean the dishes. Now I am searching all 13 years of our relationship for one piece of data that proves that wrong. It's like, no, the day after you had, the day after you gave birth, I washed a cup, so don't say that. Right? And it's like deflecting, and it just takes it somewhere else. Or if she's angry about something and says to me, hey, you, you forgot this. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, remember last week when you did this, and now, we are at, now we're having two fights at the same time. Well, and actually, it makes the fight about the data rather than about the relationship reconciliation. Totally. And, and if you've ever had a fight and afterward you're like, what was that even about? You probably escalated it a lot because <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about. So words like always, never, your mother, like those are things we don't, <laughs> we don't want to say <laughs> in relationship. Just stick to the topic at hand. Stick to the topic at hand. All right. Oh, yeah, so yelling, we have learned in working with couples, especially going through crisis, we've learned that the word yelling has different definitions to everyone. All right, so some people believe yelling is a matter of volume, how loud you get. That is yelling. And then other people believe that yelling is a matter of tone. And those people end up marrying each other <laughs> all the time. So it's like, I'm not yelling. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, you are. Or you spoke to me condescendingly. And even though you're speaking in a quiet voice, you were yelling at me. So you need to maybe have a little chat, you and your spouse, about what yelling means to you. Now, in the McNeil marriage, one of us is really good at escalation and one of us is really good at de-escalation. And it's not who you think. <laughs> okay? You're going to be surprised here. So there have been occasions where I have exercised my biblical right to anger. <laughs> occasions. Just a few. Biblical right. And my sweet husband will practice de-escalation. He will remain regulated and speak to me very gently and kindly, and it'll piss me off. <laughs> it's so real. One day I was like, would you like me to yell at you? Is that what you want? <laughs> But again, the point is not that if he practices a soft answer, it turns away my wrath. Right. Him practicing a soft answer is turning away his own wrath. Yeah. And that's where this personal responsibility comes in. Totally. So the first T, truthful. The second T, consider the tone. The third one, timing. Is that fair? Timing matters. Verse 27, and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Timing matters. Now, I'm going to take a bit of a hot take here, but this verse gets misused a lot. A lot. Don't go to bed angry. A lot of people have taken this verse and interpreted it to mean don't go to bed with any problems. And so as we've worked with couples, I've literally heard this. So I was so mad and I walked in and she was asleep, so I woke her up so we could fight about this. Yo, that's going to be a double fight from that's... this girl. <laughs> It's like we, or like we, we started having this fight and then we, it, it was still going. So we just went to 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Because we didn't want to go to bed angry. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to wake up angry. And the next day you're mad at your kids because you didn't get sleep. You're mad at your boss. Now you're just mad at everybody. The verse doesn't say don't go to bed until every problem is solved. So don't go to bed angry. That's an internal issue. That's a you thing. Mm -hmm. 
you have to address what's going on in your heart. And a lot of times there's people in the room who just want to have the fight so they get it off their chest. I don't like how I feel, so I want to get this out. But now your partner is bearing the weight of both. You popped off, you blew up, and they're dealing with the ripple effects of that, the kind of the damage of all of that. But now you're just, okay, I yelled, I'm better. It's not about fixing every issue. Right. It's about making sure that you go to bed with a place of reconciliation in your own heart, a place of self-regulation and peace. And so instead of maybe waking some up to fight with them, have you tried getting down on your knees in the presence of the Lord and saying, God, search my heart. God, deal with this anger in me. God, help me. Because what if the person isn't even there? What if it's your sibling who lives across the state? What are you going to call them and say, you better wake up. We're fighting right now. It's unrealistic. What if it's your boss? You're not going to call them and be like, I'm angry. If you have to address what's going on in you and in marriage, sometimes it can look like, hey, what happened was not okay. And I'm really upset about that. Can we please set a time to talk about this? I want you to know I forgive you, but we have to fix some things. It's that kind of posture where we make peace with each other at the end of the day, but we might have to work through some things. Mm -hmm. And I really want to dispel this notion that like, let's just talk about it to fix it. You might be dealing with an issue in your marriage that has surfaced over the course of like two years. And if you think that one 30-minute conversation is going to like make it all better, that's unfair to your spouse. It's unfair to expect them to just like get over it. We talked. Well, we have to rebuild trust, set new boundaries, check in on those boundaries, get accountable, heal, grow, replace old things with new things. Like that takes time. And if you think you're not allowed to go to bed until everything's fixed, you ain't never going to sleep. The timing of things matters. And so you have to observe the timing, realizing that it's my responsibility to take care of the climate of my soul and then work toward my relationship. Because healthy anger drives us to reconciliation. Hey, we have to talk because that was not okay and we got to get this right. That's healthy anger. It actually fuels the reconciliation. Healthy anger might say, you know what? Forget the movie. We'll watch it another time. We got to talk about this. That drives us closer. But unaddressed anger turns into bitterness. And Aristotle says that bitterness is a spirit that is unwilling to reconcile. So anger is this, we got to fix it. Bitterness is, I'm so angry, I don't want to fix it. I don't want to talk to you. I don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with you. Bitterness refuses reconciliation. And we have to make sure we don't get into bitterness. Sometimes it's a matter of apologizing and then committing to make it right at a healthier time. Sometimes it's a matter of inviting accountability into your life, but we have to be mindful of the time things, timing. Same thing as parents. Huh. <laughs> timing matters. Yes. There are times where it's like, what did this kid just say? What did they just do? And it, you, it happens in my house. I'm just like, I got, I'm going to my bedroom and I'm shutting the door. And Daddy needs a timeout. He's, like, he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I need five minutes. Because if I correct you right now, I'm going to be correcting you in wrath and in anger, not out of love, not trying to teach you anything. I'm just going to be unleashing my emotion. So I have to make sure that I'm aware of myself so that when I come back to correct you, it's from a place of authority and from a place of teaching you the truth and helping you get there rather than just stop crying. Doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Control yourself. It doesn't work. Because your words are betraying your actions. Yep. If we're going to teach our children how to walk in emotional maturity, we have to show them first. 
and timing matters. So you have to really ask yourself, is this the right time, the right opportunity for this? So biblical com communication must be true. We consider our tone. We consider the timing. And fourthly, biblical communication must be tested. Yeah. This is not something we just throw together and see what happens and wait and see how we're going to react. We actually have to test our communication, prove our communication. In our text verse, Ephesians 4.29 says, watch the way you talk. Come on. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Watch the way you talk. Yep. I don't know if you've ever tried a new product or medication, and it says do a patch test first. Try on a little bit of your skin to see if you'll have a reaction. And so if you put, put it on to do the test, but you don't watch what happens, you might miss if you have a reaction. And then you take the medication, and then your whole body explodes because <laughs> you weren't watching the test. You weren't proving if this was the right mix of ingredients for me. Yeah. Same thing with our communication. So if we are not watchful and paying attention to how we communicate, we can cause some things to explode. We can cause more harm and more unhealth, even when we're trying to input health. Do you think about what you say? Mm. Or do you just react? Ah, I'm just going to deal with it when it comes. Or are we actually thoughtful about what we think? And I know there's a spectrum of different personalities and different family dynamics. Some of us speak and then think about it later. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's Wind not how I meant for it to come out. Wind it back. Other of us will think and think and think and think. And then when we say it, it's going to have all the venom in the world. Wow. Are we actually watching what we say? Psalm 12, verse 6, refers to the Lord's words as refined like silver in a furnace. Wow. I think that's such a beautiful picture. That as we watch what we say, as we become more aware, take responsibility, that is how the Holy Spirit refines our language so that we can talk more how the Lord speaks. We have to refine our language. And our text verse in Ephesians, among many others in Scripture, indicate that our words are powerful. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Our words have the power to build up and destroy. Wow. And that's not just a nice saying or this like pop culture positive idea. It's actually biblical. Yep. And I'm writing a little bit about this in the book I've been working on. I'm going to publish it this year. I'm really excited. Yeah, you are. But we see back in Genesis, how did God create everything in the universe? Wow. He spoke it. Yeah. And then it says he made you and I in his image. And we bear the seed of that speech. Yeah. And so now our speech has the power to create and build up or destroy and break down. Every word a gift. We will be accountable to the Lord for every single thing that we say. And so this is why it's saying, don't let any perverse or idle speech come out of your lips. You are accountable. And even if we are saying something just to fit in or just as a joke, it's an idle word. It's a wasteful word. It might even be a destructive word. Yeah. 
Proverbs is full of saying, uh, full of verses about like wise men sometimes just keep their mouth shut and fools just live with an open mouth and just say everything that comes across their mind and they prove themselves a fool. We have to be wise about how we use our words because God has given us the gifts of communication, the gifts of language, the gifts of influence with relationships in our world. And it's our responsibility not to waste them and not to use them in destructive ways. We are reflecting the God of the universe. We bear his image. It's our responsibility to consider how to test our communication. Testing your communication means that in in marriage, your spouse doesn't get round one, like the first draft of things. I think sometimes we just go for it with our spouse. I haven't even thought about what I'm going to say. Let's just see what happens. This is a person's heart. They know my heart. They know my heart, right? Yeah, like, let's just go for it. They shouldn't get round one. They shouldn't get the first draft. The first draft, I believe, should always be worked out in the place of prayer and searching your own heart. What do I want to say before I go into this conversation? I'm not just going to wing it. What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? They should get, like, the revised edition from you before you go in. Let me give you an example of what it's looked like lately in the McNeil house. I've found myself saying this a lot. Hey, this really, really upset me, but before I go here, I know that a lot of this is coming from my childhood, has nothing to do with you, but the emotion is still here anyway. When you did this, I started to feel a certain type of way. This lets her know that I have reflected, thought about it, and I am working to try to separate my intense, built-up emotion. It's not all her fault. Because if I just go for it, you did this and it made me feel this way, and you never, and you always, and then she's now trying to bear the weight of that. I haven't even tested how, how what I'm saying is, is real or not in my life. I have to think about my emotion, make sense of where it's coming from, because if her forgetting to pay one bill sends me through the roof and I'm upset and angry, it's maybe worth exploring where all that heat is coming from. Because typically, if you are reacting out of control over something that's otherwise small, you need to look a little closer. We usually say if it's hysterical, it's historical. That if all of a sudden it's coming out of me, it might not have anything to do with this moment. It's probably bringing up something else, and I need to test that first. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have the conversation, but it means I've tested and I've thought about what I'm saying to you. And this isn't just a marriage thought. It's friendships. It's relationships. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear, friends. It says that careless words, that uh, profane language are all things that we need to look at. Nothing foul or dirty coming out of your mouth. Have we tested those moments that we say don't really matter? Things like our jokes, our humor. Sometimes we'll say something for a laugh, and we end up compromising all of the work that we're trying to talk about here. I think that's another area where excuses can come in. Totally. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Oh, that's just how my family talks. Oh, that's just how men are. Oh, that's just how women are. And we put these labels on things, and we're not taking that personal responsibility. Yeah. I mean, this is something I've had to work on greatly in my life because, like, I have a wit that, I mean, you guys see a glimpse of it. This is, like, (laughs) this is me restraining myself. I still get get embarrassed sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Love you. But... (laughs) Like, my inner circle knows, like, I can, I can take any sentence and spin it. 
I can take anything and make a joke out of it. And I have the ability to very quickly find like a dark humor. I can easily find like the mistake that someone said in their words. It's easy for me to twist things and make something like a joke in a different way. And I've had to really search my heart in that because I'd be so compelled to like get the laugh instead of recognizing like, wait, what's coming out of my mouth? What's, and, and so for me, like the ways that I've grounded myself in this is like, what would the Lord say? And would I want my son making this joke too? It's hmm. good. Men, there's a lot of jokes we can make to make each other laugh. But we have to remember that we are architects of our culture. Every man in this room has another man paying attention to your life, trying to learn something from you. Even students, even if you're a senior in high school, I guarantee there's someone watching you. And you have to be aware of the model that you are setting for someone. We have to take responsibility for our words. We have to test those words. And so to, to kind of conclude here, verse 30, it says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Pastor talked about this last week. He said that the Holy Spirit is like that deposit. Do you remember him preaching on this? that deposit guarantee for the promises of God. Anyone remember? Ooh, we're just gonna play the podcast. Let's go, let's watch it. You really need to go back and listen to Vision Sunday because this was kind of the, the big point of his message was that the promises of God are yes, and we respond amen, but the Holy Spirit is like that deposit guarantee. This verse says that the Holy Spirit, in another version it says he is like the seal of God's promises on our life. Like if you imagine like those old timey letters and at the bottom they, they place the seal, like that wax seal that proves it's from the king or from the royalty. That's what this verse is equating the Holy Spirit to. He's like the seal of God's promises. Since we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, all of God's promises are yes. And this verse says, don't grieve God or break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. And you would think it would say, so like, be super religious or do all the right stuff. It's just saying, talk right. That's it. Just get your mouth under control. Just talk the way that he has designed for you to talk. That's what the Holy Spirit is looking for. It's a strange conclusion to go through all of Ephesians 4, all the lofty things Jesus did for us. Paul's preaching this sermon. Jesus loved you, saved you, washed you. And so the point is, talk right. It seems like too small a point, but maybe it's not small at all. Yep. Maybe it's a huge point because the Holy Spirit is the seal of God's promises on it. So when it comes to your mouth, the idea we want you to get is that my lips are sealed. My mouth is the indicator of the Holy Spirit at work in me. My lips are sealed with the promises of God. What comes out of my mouth is the overflow of my heart. Jesus says, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, it's what comes out of him. And if your life had to be demonstrated by the content of your words, how would it look? If we could test your character by your, your, your communication, what would it say of you? What do the words of your life say about you? Because the Holy Spirit, he is the most intimate part of our life. And the way we speak can either grieve him, break his heart, or it can bring glory to his name. 
And so verse 31 says, so make a clean break with all the cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, and forgive each other quickly and thoroughly like Christ forgave you. If you can work out what God has done in you into relationship, you're doing it right. That's the point about all of this. Do you need to be perfect? No, because he's perfect. But do you need to participate? Absolutely. Because he's not going to do for you what he has empowered you to do for yourself. You can do it. You can change some things. You can watch your mouth, change your tone. Think of the timing. God doesn't have to come in and do that for you. He's equipped you to do it for yourself. And we have a responsibility to walk in this kind of communication because the Holy Spirit is the most intimate part of our life. We're a vessel and this tool that we have has the ability to create life or destroy it. And we get to participate in his purposes. And today, if you feel far removed from that fellowship with God, that connection with God, Jesus is the way for us to know God. He is God and he is the way to God. The way to the loving Father and the one who sends the Holy Spirit to us. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. If you're here and you don't know Jesus like that, I wanna pray with you. If that's you and you say, Pastor Justin, Pastor Amanda, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I need to repent. I need to be forgiven. If that's you, would you just lift your hands up all over the room so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, type, I need Jesus in the chat right now. Wow, so many hands are going up. A moment where you are responding to the Lordship of Jesus. Can everyone repeat this prayer with me? Say, Jesus. Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you to live for you from this day forward from this day forward from now on from now on it's Jesus first it's Jesus first and Jesus always and Jesus always in your name I pray in your name I pray keep your eyes closed for just a moment I think there's an opportunity here for you to respond in another way to this message if something convicted you today if you know that a part of this message was something the Holy Spirit was shining a light on in your life and something needs to change today whether it's truthfulness or your tone, or the timing or testing your words. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to that. I'm not gonna have you come up or do anything other than this. If you feel the conviction of God to change something today, would you just lift your hand as a, as a kind of a moment of accountability? With your hand raised, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to shine light on what he would have you change. I'm not gonna come lay hands on you. I think the Holy Spirit shining light on anything begins to set change in motion. And I want you to take whatever he's shining light on and make a commitment to enact that change this week. Father, for each person here who's lifting their hand, I thank you for your light that shines on us. It does not burn us up, it refines us. There's no shame in a moment like this, but rather responsibility. So I'm asking that you could help us walk in communication that reflects your glory and goodness. Lord, I pray for marriages to be transformed, for families, for parenthood, for friendship to be transformed, and let our communication be pleasing unto you. Today, I believe God is a, is a changing point in the story, that things are gonna look different. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be a reminder. Lord, when we get in the car today and we have our first conflict, that you, Holy Spirit, would remind us of what is changing with your grace and with your health. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's celebrate what God's doing today. So excited.
Love Strong is gonna be amazing. Keep your seats for just a second. Pastor Jessica is here. She's gonna give you some important information, but we are really, really honored that you are with us today and we look forward to what's coming next. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.